but that's so when you look at the muscles involved in the rotator cuff you look at supraspinatus so the word supra generally means above so above the spine of the scap supraspinatus next you look at infraspinatus which is below infra is like below infrared below the spectrum sort of thing infraspinatus below the scap of the spine Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine graduates. We release episodes every week on a Thursday, and if you're new here, feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. Words. I'm Brendan, and I'm joined by Charlene. Hello. Nick. Hey guys, how are we going? And Tim. Hey yo. All right. That was this quite an aggressive is Tim. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what, what have I gone wrong, <laughs> Pete? <laughs> I can kind of explain that because I'm having a nup and go right now and the back of my throat's like real phlegmy, so I have to be like, Toom! otherwise you hear like a gurgle in the back of my throat. <laughs> you had to get the phlegm out of your throat without coughing on, on the pod. That's genius. Yeah, pretty... No, this, this, like, this hay fever is genius. killing me. Genius. This hay fever is killing me, dude. Like, I have so much just backed up in my... Okay, that's gross. I won't go into that, but... <laughs> Anyway, all right, this is currently part three of our multi-part series where we run through the musculoskeletal issues that we see day-to-day as practitioners. Um, If this so happens to be the first episode you guys watch, um, it might be helpful to listen to our introductory episode at least, or the other ones. I mean, we've only done one before this. Um, In order to keep up to date to what we're doing, basically what we're aiming for with this series is that uh, when talking about musculoskeletal um, conditions, um, uh, and to analyze them and touch on the parts of the anatomy we need to keep in mind when looking at certain conditions. Um, we'll also work our way series-wise from the head, head and neck all the way down to the lower limb, and we'll touch on Western medicine testing and treatments uh, for these conditions. But also, um, because we're a Chinese medicine podcast, we'll also look at acupuncture and other means uh, within chi- the Chinese medicine perspective and what our common diagnos- uh, diagnosis would be uh, when we see them. Um, and, you know, in good uh, forever young fashion would also throw in a story here and there. I like to do that. Um, but musculoskeletal t- conditions tend to be uh, some of the most common conditions that we see in the clinic. So for, to whoever, for whoever's listening, um, we hope this actually proves useful to those either coming into practice or looking to start to practice soon. Um, so today we'll be talking about upper back and shoulders and thinking about he, uh, the upper back and shoulders it's it seems like everyone and their mum tends to have upper back and shoulder pain if y'all agree like it's, it's and my very dad common. as well yeah. not yeah. just and my mum yeah. <laughs> isn't the saying everyone and their dog yeah <laughs> I'm pretty dog. sure it's everyone and their dog I, I've only heard it's everyone and their mum and I've been saying that for the past like 10 years oh no <laughs> Well, I guess yeah, everyone's mum and dog are probably affected by upper back. No, nah, I think I've heard it. I think I heard it from like a comedian and I found it so funny. So I just, I just adopted it into my everyday like lingo. <laughs> anyway, everyone and their mum and their dog and their dad seem to have shoulder <laughs> shoulder and upper back pain. Um, but, you know, I was, I was reading through the notes and I was like sussing out um, upper, upper back and shoulders and 
I want to like throw this question to you guys. Why why is it that the shoulders and the back seem to be like so easily injured um, or just put into positions where it gives pain? Like, well, I'm going to throw that question to you guys. Why, why is it uh, why is it so common for the shoulders and upper back to be strained? Yeah, I think this is a um is a like a more of a lifestyle uh aspect um when we talk about musculoskeletal injuries and musculoskeletal stuff, you know, we we as people we're kind of naturally rounded, you know, and um these muscles don't really like to sit like that. You know, we should we should be sitting up straight and standing up straight, but you know, our, our lifestyles we tend to either spend a lot of time sitting at a desk, typing, that's probably not, you know, partially correct, or we, you know, now that we're in the modern age, we spend a lot of time on our phones, texting, you know, so we, we're looking down, um, and we've we got that rounded shoulder, um, you know, rounded shoulders, and, you know, it's, it's very common um, from, you know, even, like, even if you look at, like, young teens, um, you know, all the way through. And, you know, even in the elderly generation, you can see that they naturally hunch. Uh, these muscles get weak. They struggle to support each other. And so you get that hunch. Um, and for me, that's that's kind of why I feel we see a lot of these uh, these conditions in our clinics and our day-to-day lives. And, you know, we pretty much all suffer from them. It's because, our, you know, structurally... Um, it's it's a little bit poor, you know. We come from sort of like a uh, walking on all fours, it's like standing up bipedally, um, and just yeah, bad mechanics, pretty much. Bad mechanics. We <laughs> made we were made wrong. <laughs> and well, there, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and there's also so many structures in there as well, like in the upper back area like with our breathing and everything so it is a little bit complicated so when our lifestyle and our posture is not great then there's I guess so many factors there that are affected which is why it can lead to all these different types of troubles which we will talk about today I feel like posture is going to be the the main word for today um yeah yeah, pretty much and then you know Chinese medicine wise um you know we've got a couple of meridians that run through the back and shoulders and you know, stagnated chi tends to go towards like the gallbladder, uh, the yeah, the gallbladder channel, um, and the and the upper back. So that that obviously causes uh, blockages as well. Um, and you know, when you have young rise, it goes to the upper back and head. So you know, these things that rise um, also call, cause disharmonies through the upper back as well. So. Yeah, both Western medicine and Chinese medicine perspectives. All right, let's run through the uh, anatomy of what we're going to talk about. Um, Because we're talking about two sections of the body, we're going to go upper back and shoulder. Um, Does anyone want to go through any of those anatomy-wise and explain where and what's going on? Tom? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all right, I guess if you put it like that. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Just like B said, I think we're just sort of going through. So for the shoulder stuff, you're looking sort of at um, common ones like your rotator cuff is probably one of the most common things. 
um, looking at sort of conditions like frozen shoulder, shoulder impingements, or like any sort of tears in that, labrum tears and stuff in that area. For the upper back, oh wait, I'm talking about anatomy, aren't I? Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just keep running. Either or, no, both. Yeah. Keep, keep, um, your, keep your roll on, keep your roll on. Uh, upper back and stuff, we're sort of looking more at the sort of, like, l- just below the traps, because we sort of covered the traps in the head and neck one, so sort of into the rhomboid sort of area, looking more into the, like, scap- scapular sort of stabilizers, so you got your levator scap that we also covered in the head and neck, serratus anterior, which is sort of along the sides near the armpit sort of region, and... That's all we have in the notes, but sort of lat, around that uh, area, which is lat, like... Lat, I thought that was from the top of your lat, head. Lat Dorsey. Yeah, Lat Dorsey. Latissimus Dorsey. Oh, yeah. Lat Dorsey, underrated. And Serratus mm. posterior, the one that goes from the spine to the scap. Mm-hmm. Real quick, have you guys um, had doms in your Lat Dorsey before? Dom, what? sorry. The, like, like, as in um, post-workout? I don't work out those <laughs> I know. You're talking to the wrong people. I guess this, nah. this question is... Okay, so I... <laughs> no, I've had... I, I think it's a, the lat pull-downs. Oh, that like, yes. That targets the, the lat dorsies. And because I don't do lat uh, lateral pull-downs, no. it just... Like, it would... It's, it's The strains were so, like, intense... <laughs> That I would just poke it and I would just be in a world of pain and be like, ah. <laughs> Sorry. What no, noise no. did you make? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Charlie. Expo- exposing me. <laughs> so, so you can see here that it's it's um, oh, just quite obvious by the by that little bit of a rundown we had from Tom there that the neck and upper back obviously sort of well, obviously run into each other and they're. Uh, they share some common muscles, some common structures. So, you know, again, like I said last week, when we're treating uh, shoulder issues, upper back issues, we also sort of want to look at the neck as well, uh, remembering that all these things are connected. And You know, tra- as well as when we look at the neck, we also want to look at the shoulder and that these shoulder stabilizers and see if there's anything going wrong that could cause some sort of disharmony or impingement up in towards the neck. Um. So, shall we go from the so the upper back region um, through the scapula into the shoulder, and we'll dissect it that way. Or do you want to go from shoulder back into the body? I feel like it's better from the spine out. The spine right? out. Mm-hmm. Talking about the spine. All right. So the spine is encompassed in the uh, upper back. Um, I'd imagine in the upper back with the vertebrae, like uh, most places, I think we kind of touched on this in the neck a little bit, but um, things like, you know, your uh, skull, like scoliosis type things uh, or like your spine, is it called diversion? What's the general term for like the scoliosis, the, the like scoliosis and all the other ones that I can't think of right now? Is, is there a general name for it? Oh, it's killing me. Dr. Google, where you so. at? I don't know. Anyway, but I think it's like <laughs> spine. So go with scoliosis. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Uh, basically, scoliosis is something that uh, is quite common and, and is chronic and does give 
a lot of pain long term. Um, you also have uh, DJD, like I talked about in the last episode, where the actual intervertebral discs start to wear down and you start to gain a little bit of more uh, nerve impingements and muscle strains, and especially deep, with, deep within the um, vertebrae against the transverse uh, processes and all those all that good stuff. Um, I, I, don't, I never remember the specific names, but basically, I, I guess as a general term in terms of treatment, it's well within the... Um, well within the, the the muscles well within the um the vertebrae themselves um so i think those are two you, you kind of look for then for vertebrae to completely cover vertebrae so we don't really have to talk about, about it that much um because it's a bone uh you'd also look at you know certain bone conditions if someone has maybe um a um, osteoporosis or something like that um, or something like lupus or anything that might, or any autoimmune disease that might affect the bone quality or a malnutrition that might affect the bone quality, then you'd also look at that too if you're looking at vertebrae. Um, and that also can lead into the things I've previously said before, like DJD and, um, and all the kind of intervertebral muscular pain. Um, so looking at that, I kind of wanted to get vertebrae out of the way because we got a hell of a muscle to talk about. <laughs> um, with the upper back, I think one one thing I really wanted to talk about was the um, rhomboids, and because the rhomboids are like the they're they're part of the um, kind of the scapular stabilizers, and they're really they're really involved when lifting something, and when you're lifting something improperly, um, when you're you're kind of hunched over and you're kind of pulling up, um, it can cause a lot of strain with the uh, with those rhomboids, which I do see a lot. And when someone points to me, oh, okay, my pain is like right here, it's usually dead set at the rhomboids. Um, and if it goes a little deeper, I'm thinking Terry's. Is it Terry's? Um, or that's more outside, I don't remember. Um, but generally, that's that's uh, what I like to go for. Does anyone uh, want to roll off that Yeah. One? Uh, the the rhomboids it it pulls the scapula towards the spine and rotates it um, as well. So it and you know the scapula is a bit of a funny um, triangular a sort of funny yeah that's it. And it, when we talk about pulling and internally rotating and and you know looking at how the scapula moves around on the shoulder it. It gets a bit confusing and a bit funny, um, and especially without any visual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. That that rhomboid is, um, and I know for me, um, it's it's a very it's a very common spot to have pain. I always palpate along the rhomboids just to have a look at how they're you know how they're sitting. And when you, you know, like we were saying at the start of the podcast, uh, with that rounded posture, you know they seem to be they seem to get a bit stretched. And therefore, they end up being a bit too short. Um, so they become very hypertonic. Uh, so you can feel them quite easily. And they're sort of, sort of like in your mid-back. Um, uh, from C7 to T5 is is where they sit um, and attach medially to the, to the scapula. Uh, so you've got the rhomboids. Um, you've also got your lat- levatus gap, like... Like Tom said, and that obviously pulls the scapula up. Uh, you've got what else? Do you have 
uh, your serratus anterior as well, and that that comes across and attaches to your ribs, um, which also helps one. lift the scapula up. The lower trap, the lower um, portion of the traps. Yeah, you've also got your trapezius. Uh, which yeah. is separated into three bits. You get your upper, mid, and lower. Just for reference, uh, the yeah, traps and we are talked like about traps. quite large muscles. That uh, yeah, we the lower portion of the traps is, is quite important as well with stabilizing the, neck, the scapula. And they go across the shoulders. Um, and the second portion, of the um, the traps go across the shoulders and attach to the the mid to sorry to upper to mid uh, vertebrae. Um, so and because of them, they're one of the most superior. Um, no, sorry, yeah, superior. Uh, Superficial, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm like, that's not right. That's not the right word. Um, the the most superficial muscle, um, superficial. you tend to get... Uh, superficial. You tend to pretty mm-hmm. much either Very good. unintentionally treat um, those muscles when you're needling sometimes. But um, they're, they're also a big culprit when it comes to uh, upper back and shoulder pain. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then you've also got your two teres, or your teres minors, um, probably a more important uh, scap stabilizer in there as well. Um, and then there's, what's the one that runs under the scapula? Is that infra... Uh, Subscapularis? Subscapularis. Uh, underneath or as well. on top or what do you... Yeah. Un- underneath is sub. Underneath is sub? Yeah. And like... If you're talking inferior wise, so below the scap, <laughs> like, then it's beneath can be anything. No, 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 run through those muscles as well, Tom. Um, so if we're looking more at <laughs> the shoulder, you you sort of have that rotator cuffs. I mean, this is this is the things that help you. Uh, you know when you do the cowboy whipping motion where you. Sort <laughs> of, um, Swing your arms around in a circular motion, or if you're partying, I feel like really there's better na- uh, better um, movements. Than <laughs> put your arms up in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that sort of anyway. circumduction <laughs> motion. Um, it's sort of all contr- <laughs> uh, yeah, Well, when you involve your hips into it like that, B. Yeah, <laughs> we'll move on to that in two podcasts down. Um, <laughs> but that's that's a great motion if you want to look at all sort of moving all those well, you said like control cow- for that sort of muscle um i don't think people <laughs> in rodeos no. do it like that do they they just this like this that's a different type of rodeo that's a whole different rodeo. yeah that's a whole different muscle i don't know that's the With the wild west <laughs> yeah like that that's it that's the only rodeo bean it that's the only rodeo bean is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Mm-hmm. They do it things different in the wild west. Definitely, definitely wild. Uh, That's think sure. of analogies. Definitely west. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> more radios. Um, th- there's going to be more of that when we go into the shoulder because it sort of does touch into the um. <laughs> upper back but it's more sort of it's there to control I think, do, I think we've done upper back I reckon the, go on to shoulder the shoulder rotator cough unless you wanted to move on to shoulder we can do that as well really? I yeah wanna... in terms of anatomy and we'll come back to 
we'll come back to some um, some important uh, clinical conditions that we see, right, uh, and you know they mainly involve. Do you guys all remember the um, shoulder so rotator Yeah, we'll, we'll jump straight into the anatomy of the shoulder. Because it wasn't well. ac- uh, an acronym. Was it? Um, was it an acronym? That, to remember the so shoulder? Um, shoulder, the rotator cuff. Oh, you just remember from the top of your head. All right, well, hit it, hit it, Tom. Go for it. Not that I remember. Yeah. Um, so normally the easiest way that I can remember the rotator cuff oh, is there's something again. above, there's something in the middle, there's something below, and there's something sort of on the side. So when but that's, so when you look at the muscles involved in the rotator cuff, you look at supraspinatus. So the word supra generally means above, so above the spine of the scap, supraspinatus. Next, you look at infraspinatus, which is below. Infra is like below, infrared, below the spectrum sort of thing. Infraspinatus, below the scap of the spine. And the next one would be subscapulash, which means underneath, like a submarine. So you think underneath the scapula, so subscapularis. And last one's Terry's minor. You just have to remember that one. Got nothing left for you. <laughs> that's just sort of runs along the side. And yeah, that's that's about it. That's the four muscles in the rotator cuff. If you were looking just yeah, at the muscles. so these muscles, so these muscles run from the back, um, attach onto the humerus, which is obviously the long bone in your arm, um, and they, the the. The shoulder is like a ball, is a ball and socket joint. What does that mean? Um, but it's not. Uh, it's. It's like if you if you cup your hand, and you put a fist into your hand, <laughs> that's how your shoulder is. Um, it's like the lacrosse stick, and it like you scoop up the ball, like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I like <laughs> like that. an ice cream scoop. <laughs> I like that analogy. Yeah, or an Can't ice cream scoop. Lacrosse. Sure. <laughs> Much prefer ice cream scoops over lacrosse. <laughs> lacrosse. Like, you whatever. can't eat a lacrosse, so... <laughs> whatever imagery That's you right. need. <laughs> Anyways, um, so so the joint itself um, doesn't, su- doesn't support itself very much um, and is quite fragile and weak um, because of that ball and socket type of joint. Um, you've got to get a lot of range of movement out of that. And, that's why the joint is designed the way it is. So the muscles, the muscles really do hold the joint together um, and make sure everything sort of stays where they're meant to be. Um, so you know, once once some of those muscles become either weak or Can tears, that's when you start getting some quite real quick. Sorry, you know, sorry, I wanted to say shoulder uh, too before you moved on. Um, for uh, lack the of range of rotator cuff mo- muscles, yeah, pain. they're not made to hold a load. They're made to stabilize the, the shoulder joint. Right. So when they're put in a position where they have to uh, have, uh, like carry a load, let's say having a backpack or something like that, um, then that's when you kind of start having those that type of pain. The pain within the, uh, the rotator cuff. Um, the ones that are supposed to be holding the load is more like your, your, like your biceps and your triceps and things like that. That's, that's where your load is supposed to be. Uh, nothing with the rotator cuff, and that's how you also get dislocations too when putting too much of a load on the rotator cuff. Continue, Nick. Sorry. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, no, that's exactly right. You know, those muscles, they're designed to hold the humerus head 
into the acromion. Um, so, yeah, just like you were saying, B, if you if you um you know have your arm stretched directly out and you're trying to pull up a load with your shoulder, you're gonna cause strain. Um, rather than if you're pulling it with um with those lifting type of <laughs> Did I kill your train of thought? <laughs> low, in your arm, your biceps and your triceps. <laughs> um, I don't know what else I was going to say. <laughs> All right, well, we're still talking about the rota- rotator cuff. Um, yeah, and it wasn't, off it wasn't really going that, anywhere um, anyway. Back it's a bit of a ghost train, don't worry. I figured that would kind of go shoulder, then up the back because we're just talking about shoulder. Um, because we're talking about muscles that hold the, basically hold the ball into the socket, um, and that are in charge of the range of motion rather than actually lifting a load. Uh, most of the conditions that you see with rotator cuff have to do with um, mobility. Um, and also the tests are also more about mobility and how to, um, and the basically, basically the range of motion, um, as well as obviously given the pain and strain and of those muscles. Um, so the first one on the list uh, for the shoulders, frozen shoulder, uh, which we do see a lot. Uh, oh, go for it. Yes. Uh, wait, can I just stop you? Can I just stop you right there for two seconds? B? I just wanted to throw in one thing before you jump into frozen shoulder. Um, these, you're talking about mobility and going into test. Most of these muscles do a certain action to a certain degree, and then other muscles take over. Um, so when lifting lifting your shoulder and you're about to go through a painful arc, um, you know, that first 15 to 20 degrees or something is that supraspinatus uh, before the deltoid takes over. So most of these muscles, and, you know, through the orthopedic testing, you can isolate a very specific motion and isolate very specific muscles um, and take one part of that motion and say, from here to here, you're using that that supraspinatus muscle. Let's feel if you're getting any pain, if that muscle is firing, if that muscle is moving, um, and then you can sort of move on yeah. to different uh, actions well, and <laughs> test different muscles. Well, I mean, real quick to add to, so that's add to what, what you're saying, for in like, the reason why is so, uh, the reason yeah, why continue the, along the frozen shoulder are used the lower range of motions is because interested. The, only, the only load they have is lifting their arm from, uh, like, uh, you know, with against or with gravity um there's not really much of a load when it starts to get from 90 degrees and up because essentially you're working against gravity um in that sense um so yeah frozen shoulder um do see this a lot in, in clinic frozen shoulders basically when uh the, the muscles of the rotator cuff are strained or they're pulled or they're partially torn and um after a long period of time the repair of that muscle um, basically the muscle repairs into it and is constantly shortened or the way that Nick likes to say it, hypertonic. Is that right? Hypotonic. I'm not, I'm not really familiar with those terms. So, <laughs> and I like the way you use them. I, I like the way you use, I like the way you use those terms. So I want to try and incorporate that too. <laughs> um, I've been going but yeah, the muscles basically tend to be a lot more shortened. So you have a very it. limited range of motion as to what to do. Um, with a painful arc, which I don't know if, I think Nick explained it before where you, uh, you basically, um, lift your arm up, uh, what's, what's this direction laterally from your body, I guess, away from your body. Um, abducting, that's the word abduct your, uh, abduct your arm, um, from 
Abducting. Abducting. <laughs> Just triggered Tim for a second. He's like, ah. Or if you're a physio sense. or osteo, it's <laughs> abducting. Um, yeah, so you abduct uh. your arm. There's a reason why those no, words no, are together no, go ahead, go ahead. and also, not separate. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yes, yes, And also, yes. Ex- oh, yeah, yeah. So, for painful arc. Um, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Um, I was going to say also arc, external you rotation. Your, you abduct right. your arm until for frozen shoulder. Uh, I think we're generally you see the range of motion of, uh, from the de- uh, measuring from, I guess, your, the angle from your body, um, and see how high you go. Uh, generally, for me personally, I don't see many frozen shoulder patients go much further than like 90 to 100 degrees um, from their body. They go slightly up, but then they start to, like Nick said, start to lift with their shoulder a little bit instead of actually lift with um, their delt- deltoids. Yeah, um, the deltoid muscles and the supraspinatus muscles. Um, and and then they, they basically stop and they can't go any further. Um, and that's why it's called frozen shoulder. It's not necessarily like a huge, a huge pain or weakness. It's just that they physically cannot um, go high, higher up. Um, with the internal, was it internal rotation? Was it? Is that right, Charlie? External rotation. With the external rotation, um, is that like things like empty, empty can? External rotation. Yeah, kind of. Um, when you or when they present, they kind of have more of that like little hunched. Um, the shoulders are hunched a little bit because that's more comfortable for the joint just to be in a state of like internal rotation. Um, but when you tell them to kind of like sit up really and quick, like pull really their cool shoulders you, back, they get a little like bit stuck. Because um, um, and you might see like the, the like shoulder lift instead when a muscle of is, just is like strained at that back. point. It shortens, so then it kind of yeah. Uh, in this case, it's more of the. Uh, post anterior anterior front um anterior muscles yeah i'm just just left me um the more of the anterior muscles are shortened so then you're a little bit more hunched forward um and then you kind of get that with a lot of muscle conditions um so it's really cool that you um that you talked about the resting state of the strange muscles which is really cool Yeah, you want to look at um, you want to look at your pec minor in that in that situation where that the pec minor is pulling the shoulder forward as well, and all those <laughs> muscles at the back there are quite weak. Um, just to throw in there as well, it, it it's actually hypertonic. Nah, Nick, wrong, you could to- you could totally <laughs> play off. No, 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 you've said hypertonic the whole time. To me, like, just play it off, dude. Listen to this. No, idiot. no, you said hypertonic. <laughs> you were saying hypertonic the whole time. Throw it out there. It's hypertonic. So. <laughs> no, you were saying hypertonic the whole time. You're right. You were saying hypertonic. So it's hypertonic. But whatever. It's whatever. Everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> Thank that, you. That's right. Thanks. <laughs> that's right. Um, All so, right. You know, okay. It's um, when the muscles another one that tight. I see less commonly, we see less quite commonly, straight. but um, does Just exist is some education hitis. Um, for everyone. I said that really weird. Best hiatus. Um, uh, best hiatus. So the uh, 
a bursa, and correct me if I'm wrong, a bursa, the bursa is Where basically is, is within the, the shoulder joint that um, kind of cushions the, the ball in the cuff. Sorry, ball in the socket. Um, and it's basically a fluidy sac, I guess. I, I can't really explain it any other way. Um where yeah it cushions the actual joint from any impact or anything so then uh, you know you know less in pr- uh, less prone to like fractures and stuff um bursitis is when uh there is a, st- a strain in that um in that sac and there's inflammation in that area um and that's usually in- accompanied by some swelling and some redness and um in, in within the painful arc uh, in, the difference between a frozen shoulder and a bursitis is that if you're doing painful arc and they go a little bit, uh, go higher than that 90 and you feel a very sharp pain or a, oh, I, I can't go there any further than that rather than a, I literally can't go any further. Um, that's where you'd see more of your bursitis. So you, you'd see more more pain with bursitis conditions um, and then more of like a immobility for frozen shoulder. Um and then when we're talking about like just simple, really simple muscle strains of the rotator cuff, um, it's more of like a, how, how would you guys, uh, how would you guys separate uh, bursitis symptoms versus muscle strain of the rotator cuff? <laughs> um, I'm not sure, but I want to throw back to, uh, <laughs> I want to throw back to the frozen shoulder bit as well. Um, you, with the frozen shoulder, you're also getting like those crystal formation. So your muscles, ju- that, that joint isn't moving. Um, they call it frozen shoulder for a reason. You know, adhesive capsulitis, that sh- that the the joint capsule just isn't <laughs> moving. Um, you know, you can think of it as like, uh, when Batman no, fights froze, the, the Dr. Freeze, you know, he's frozen that shoulder. <laughs> Freeze! Um, that's exactly right. But, you know, in bursitis, um, you've got inflammation inside that capsule um, and causing that bursa to, to be quite inflamed yes. and quite sore. Um, so that's, that, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like the... Yeah, because I'm the one that can correct you on that one. I'm the one that can correct you 100%. That's, that's, yeah, totally. Yeah, one of, the, yeah, one of those words. <laughs> Uh, one of the, that that's the difference in those two things. I know. And then yeah, muscle strains. Um, you're gonna find more than likely you're gonna find a very specific set of movements that cause pain. Um, so when you're you know using that one muscle, say if it is that supraspinatus supraspinatus tra- tears, uh, you know very important, uh, very common, um, and you know often. Once if somebody has a bit of shoulder pain, goes for an MRI or uh, an ultrasound, you know they'll yeah. more than likely they'll find a little bit of frozen shoulder. They'll find some <laughs> supraspinatus tears, some inf- some inflammation, and some arthritis in the joint. It's pretty much copy and paste. Um, you see it all the time. Um, so you'll be able to isolate one specific set of movements, and you'll be able to f- find where that pain is coming from. Um, whereas in bursitis, you'll be able to see that that pain is in the joint. Um, and they'll more than likely have pain just about on any movement in that joint. And it will be very localized to the to the shoulder, like to the j- shoulder joint. 
Um, and it might be causing some inflammation in those Talking muscles as well. Talking about inflammation, I really so, wanted to... Oh, yeah, sorry, Charlene. Go ahead. Go ahead. Kick it. That's sort of where your characteristics lie for me. Uh, I was going to say, I think with froze, fr- frozen shoulder, you get pain all the time. Um, whereas with bursitis, you only get pain when you move the joint because that's when the bursitis is like actually Ooh. getting affected. Yeah. So if you're no, not moving I mean, your shoulder, I, it's I, at I that resting state. Kind of, uh, I don't believe you feel the to, pain. Um, impingements. Um, now, Nick was talking Continue. about inflammation before, and I thought that was a kind of cool thing to go on. Where um, And this goes across the shoulder uh, the sorry the uh, upper back pain too not as not as commonly but when you have any sort of um, numbness or tingling or anything like that um, I like to look at uh, impingements first because muscle strains are more common than things like intervertebral uh, strains Um, just to kind of get it get it up to speed the muscle the nerves kind of go from the vertebrae or the cervical vertebrae or thoracic vertebrae in the sense then you know, divert, divert off into the brachial plexus, which is a very complicated uh, network of nerves that innervate into your arms. Um, look, uh, analyzing uh, your dermatomes and your myotomes, um, you can kind of see what nerves are affected and you can kind of trace the pathway of what's going on. Um, but generally what I like to do, especially when treating, is that when there is nerve impingements going on, um, where a muscle is inflamed and kind of pressing on a nerve, causing pain or numbness or tingling. Um, I, I like to lo- locate which muscle that is, um, and especially to see where, where that goes. Um, because most of the time, the people that will get numbness and tingling in their hands or their, like their fingers or a little part of their wrists or arm, they're, they're related to like some sort of like muscle strain. Like, oh, you know, I got, I got a little bit of a, sh- a sore shoulder, like a, a, kind of like behind behind and you know I, I get really weird tingly finger feelings on my on my middle finger or something like that every now and then especially at night and that's that's generally where you'd see you know there might be a side sleeper so it, that muscle might be more inflamed at night and then it presses on that nerve more so in i mean short firing because we're going to be talking about treatment real soon um what muscle that is what muscle is uh, really causing that pain um and the numbness treat that muscle generally the numbness and tingling will also be dealt with too. Yeah, that's it. You know, these muscles are hypertonic and they they don't allow uh, the nerves and the blood flow to run through them properly. Um, you know, muscles are meant to sort of glide nicely on each other. They're meant to you know, interact with each other very, very smoothly. Um, all these motions are done, you know, interacting with each other. So when one muscle is is not co- cooperating, um, you know, it's like a a sore foot on a centipede. You know, what's that? Isn't that an old cartoon? <laughs> um, <you> know, <laughs> nothing. Not they're not all working together, um, and that causes, you know, not just pain in the muscle, like B was saying. You know, you can get some nerve impingements, some vessel impingements. You know, you're getting that numbness and tingling um, down the arm. And, you know, that goes for sort of everywhere around the body as well. Um, but, yeah, let's jump into some treatment. So what So, what are some common things that you guys treat when you're looking at upper back pain? Well, how do you guys treat this? 
um, upper back pain, shoulder pain. Bladder points are like what do you what advice are you giving to patients? <laughs> bladder points or Hato Jaji is generally what I go for because you know bladder points obviously affect um, the most superior muscles, but then also the the Hato Jajis I like to use to get into the rhomboids. Like I said, I see that very very commonly. It's like about sixty percent of my musculoskeletal conditions. Um, using Hato Jaji, I like it, it gets really deep into. Um, you know that area where the rhomboids are um i feel like that's a very common one um gallbladder 21 is also really good for the upper traps um i use that a lot too it's a little bit scary but um it's a nice one to do uh oh nick's like oh no that's easy bro that's easy sauce that's Um, what, what other ones, what other ones have you guys got? I, I don't use a lot of small intestine ones, but that's because I'm not very good at them, um, which I got to work on. Mm. I use small intestine 11 to access supraspinatus. That, yeah. that runs along the, the spine of the scap. Um, and yeah, yeah, insert, you know, you know, you insert that needle pretty much straight into the supraspinatus there. Yeah, um, yeah. works quite well. Um. Oh, I was just going to say also like cupping on the upper back shoulders is also fantastic to release some of that muscle tension as well. Uh, I like to palpate the muscles. So if after my testing, I found that there's certain muscles that are affected to just palpate the muscles, find the asha points, um, the sore points, and then just put a needle in there. And normally that releases the tension in the muscle and it's really helpful. Um, the other thing is maybe you can look at motor points as well, also to help release the muscle that is hypertonic. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> it's catching on. Do you know some of these points, Charlene? <laughs> we all want to be Nick. Not off the top of my head for, I mean, it depends for each muscle, I guess, because each muscle has a different motor point. Um, yeah, not off the top of my head. I think gallbladder 21 was <laughs> one of the motor points for traps anyways. Traps. Upper so, traps, yeah. Yeah, so... Bladder, I think bladder 11 or 12 was one of them too. I think it's DG, something like that. Um, yeah, if you want to learn more about motor points, um, there's a few guys that do them online. Um, Anthony, Anthony Lombardi... Um, Richard Hazel does motor points. Uh, Matt Callison also does motor points. Go check those guys out. They have a few books, a few uh, seminars, online references. Um, there's some there's some quite good motor point. Um, who wrote that book there, Charlene? Uh, David Leg. David Leg. <laughs> he, he's an Aussie bloke, isn't he? Yeah, I think it's a good one to get started with. Um, but um, those guys you were saying have more detailed information about the motor points. But I think close to the bone is the one that everyone goes to as the starting point. Yeah. So, you know, there's plenty of motor point guys out there. Um, So yeah, if you want, if you're interested in motor points, go have a look at them. Um, And 
I think another great way is also like distal points or like opposite what do you call it like shoulders affected so you want the opposite lower limb thing a mirroring mirroring yes mirroring that's it which is like dr tan dr tan Mm. type method um what's his book called one two three uh abc (laughs) play school (laughs) come inside um I forgot. Um, jungle tree. It's mo- mine is mostly kind of just like massage, um, using the liniments. Um, herbs wise, depending on the condition, you can use like a um, is it called du huo ji sheng tang, or like just a regulating chi and um blood one kind of get things free flowing um depends on i guess any underlying conditions if it is kind of a deficiency then maybe you want to use um like a bajan to kind of build up more chi and blood whereas if it's um kind of more of a stagnation then you do want to free flow if it's kind of cold then you're thinking like you can use moxa or other things like that to kind of warm the area as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I was going to say, like, I feel like we can't talk about pain conditions without using moxa because it's so good, especially for frozen shoulder. And what we we're talking about earlier, just to move that, sort of clear that blockage when you're looking at Chinese med treatments. Um, yeah, moxa is great, especially for frozen shoulder for treating conditions. I I swear by the one liniment. Sorry, real quick, Eagle Brand, the green eagle, the green oil Eagle Brand oil. Oh, I swear by that. I've grown up with it. I use it on my I use it in my clinic. It's just phenomenal when it comes to uh, muscle relief. Um, that and there's like a Woodlock emu oil. I think it's like an emu oil. It's really weird, but that's also like super strong i feel i find it's more uh, more stronger than um a lot of the other ones i use um and I'm it's not, just i'm not too keen on this. emu oil only for the f- the fact that uh it has to come from an emu uh, mm, that is it, true. it is that really is good but i just didn't want to like ethically i'm like yeah um but also posam oil is also really good as well um, so, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of liniments out there, um, but we probably should should call it a day. I think we talked, we did pretty well, I reckon. Pretty informative, I'd say. If you've got any other questions, reach out, guys. Hundred percent. Ask us a question on our Facebook discussion group. Um, we hope you learned something, or took something away to incorporate into your treatments into upper back and shoulder as always thank you for listening to the forever young podcast and don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram and and as always we're the forever young podcast and you'll hear from us next time bye bye bye